Hello and welcome to this week's episode of This is the Future. My name is Dayo Moyo. I trust you had a super splendid and productive week. This week, I bring to you another episode with a podcaster. And this time around, it's no other person but the host of Giddy Stories, Viva. I've known Viva for years, but sitting down to a discussion with her was something entirely different. It's crazy how you think you know your friends, but somehow you only know as much as occasion permits. For example, I did not know that Viva grew up in Ajegunle, popularly known as AJ City. I did not know that she lost her elder sister as a teenager and lost her mom and dad sometimes later. I tell you, my respect for Viva went up several notches after this interview. We spoke about how she got into radio and why she started a podcast, among several other things. Without further ado, let's get into this already. Hello, Lagos, and wherever you may be listening to us. This is Giddy Story, and I am your host for today's episode. My name is <laughs> So just so you know, today's episode, if I may just say it in the colloquial language, Ele Oma Gidigan. And that's because <laughs> that's because for the first time I have Elo as guest on our own podcast. It's a big something. Oh my, oh my god. Like <laughs> I'm hearing Giddy stories. I'm like, wow, it's me. It's me. I'm excited. Thank you so much, Dio, for having me on Giddy Stories today. And by the way, I actually I changed um Elo and I'm uh, decided to go with my Monica, that's Viva. Because I felt it was easy, or it it is easy for those who identify me, especially those who've been following me for years. And Elo is more of a personal thing for those who are like family and friends, such as yourself, because it's very easy for you to call me Elo now. In fact, that would have been my first question. It's like you pulled that out <laughs> of my mouth because I listened to a number of your episodes. I'm like Elo, and then there was this episode where someone called. Or you had um, a conversation with one of your friends from Turkey. And then I remember yeah. she said, hey, Viva. And you're like, on this podcast, it's Elo. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> My brother, you see how it's kind of confusing. So I had to bring it down to what most people know me by. And that's uh, Viva. It's very easy. But then again, some, if I have to talk to some persons from home, like family, I guess they will sleep. And say hello, but then again, it's still the same person. But just to make it easy to identify, Viva is the Monica. Right. Yay. But how did Viva mm-hmm. even come? How did the how did you get the, the Monica Viva? So in 20, 2011, uh, that was when my radio journey started. And it's a very funny story how it even started, but that's not what you asked me. So I'm going to go straight to how <laughs> I uh, so my then head of programs was, so what are you going to call yourself on radio? And then I said, ah, it is not going to be hello because it will be weird when somebody, the caller calls in and to be hello, hello, right. you know, uh-huh. so, and I was like, uh, Vivian, I wasn't really a fan of my own, my middle name because people pronounce it Vivian and I <laughs> don't like it so and he said okay you can just coin something out of it and then he said why don't you go with viva we're walking past the shop you will not believe it back then at a at a apollo mall and i think it's and at uh in Enugu rather and he said oh, why don't you go with viva it's still your name i'm like okay we can work with this and i tested it out and it stuck 
So uh, when I started, I spelled it V-I-V-A. And then I realized that with the brand uh, Viva, it was well, some sort of distraction. So I had to change the spelling to V-E-E-V-A-H, um, which I've been using for the past uh, four years now. My birth name is Elogene, meaning the light of God, Vivian Olitsu. Wow. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just mm-hmm. knowing that full name for the first time. Oh, it's on my bio on Instagram. I pulled out the full name. I'm very proud of that name. If only people could pronounce it very well. Because growing up in secondary school, Dayo, Elo, I didn't know the meaning of your name is how much in Yoruba. I'm like, oh, not this one again. Not this again. But then again, some people pronounce it differently. Some persons go, Elo Chuku, Elo Lua. I'm like, oh my God. Wow. Oh my sweetness! Uh, you understand. So, yeah. but then again, Elohim meaning the light of God. Right. Now, um, yeah. Now, the next question that I would like to ask you is that: Were you born in Lagos, or at any time in the history of Viva, you were a JJC in this last JJC? <laughs> um, whenever I JJC you, I was born and bred. In Lagos, oh, still in Lagos, but here's the here's the funny start. I was born in Ajegule, AJ City. Wow, it's my origin story. I can even give the street. I'm so proud. Agausa Street in Ajegule. Um, I live with my parents and my siblings, and it was one of the things that kind of piqued my. Well, how would I call it that gave birth to me being a storyteller? Because when you walk out, there are so many things that you see. And yeah, AJ City. And then uh, later on, my parents, we moved uh, to Satellite Town. Yes, we moved in. And that, that's a, for that's the sad part. If I want to go really deep on my journey, but. Let me not di- let me not digress. <laughs> I was born in Ajegule, moved on to Satellite Town, and now I'm still on the mainland. Uh, I don't know why. I love the mainland. <laughs> My work is on the island. You would think by now, I would think of moving to the island, but no, I'm still here. Proper yeah. Ekoge. <laughs> but I can't speak Yoruba or Dayo. Is that not weird? Why? I can't speak Yoruba. Why? I told that guy. You know they have people who have light ears and. My own is not oh. just heavy. There's like party pots on my ear. <laughs> the only thing I know how to do is to do tonations or to personate like, uh, uh, like the whole right. exclamation that, uh, hey, that one is, becomes natural. But to speak. Pay me uh, half a and million. I should pay you half. half it's not full. <laughs> no. I don't like it. Don't have. And do you know why it's even more painful? When I was in school, ah, uh, because I schooled in Delta State University, it was very painful because it had a lot, a lot of Lagos people. And the Lagos people like back then like to have this whole of swag. Yeah. Like yo, we're from Lagos or Moiko. And then when you have the other people from, you know, Delta State and all that, you know, it's the state university now. Yeah. When you would now like, hey, what's up now? Ah, can you share now? Can you come get it? Ah, God, they will not speak you over. I'll just Take myself to my room so they will not call me out and embarrass me in the midst of all the world people. Because you see world people. So it's, <laughs> mm, I digress again, but that's me. I can't digress. Yeah. <laughs> but but talk to me. One would have thought that when you live in a place like um, AJ City, 
you would have have this mix with people. Were you someone in which your parents kind of kept you indoor and kind of shielded you, or were you someone that kind of interacted with the street and people on, on the streets? Ah, okay. So for this for this one, it's I can say I lived a shelter. My parents were very very intentional with um our uh, the way we interacted with people growing up. Even our education, we did not have it in Ajigulete much later. Not even, we didn't have it in Ajigulete at all because the, my first education, uh, educational experience was, was at um, Tade Children's School. I don't know if it's still in existence in Apapa. And then I move on to Laura, Laura in Festac Town. So you see how they were very intentional about things. Secondary school was still at, um, was still in a Paparando secondary school. So they were very intentional. But then again, it, it grew out of what they wanted. When I started attending a secondary school, it was a public school. They, they, they were very careful not to, with primary school, they tried their best. Okay, we can do private, but secondary school was public. And I remember one very funny scenario that made me understand that you are in a Jigule, but you are not really in a Jigule. In just one, I remember our classmates, you know, we're all feeling our, you know, first time together in our class. And then somebody was, we were talking about parents. I don't know why I can't get this particular thing off my head now that I remember it. But someone said something, uh, asked me, or I think someone asked me a question. And then I said, my dad, you should, see, you should have seen the reaction. They were like, my dad? Wow. <laughs> they were used to say, papa, eh, uh. my billy or something. And then I said, my dad. And because I was, I was conscious of not being, you know, part of the crowd. I didn't, and that is where we have the whole integration to having the proper lingo with this, with people that you roll with. And then I decided, oh, more if it's going to be Papa with these people, Papa, <laughs> it shall be. When I get to my house, I call my dad. Dad, we don't do pillar because even my mom, she, my late mom, she would like, what, what are you? No, my dad was even that upset, you know. He was very upset because uh, there were some financial challenges along the way. And that's why we couldn't do the whole private um, secondary school. So right. he was, he's really, he used, to, he used to get really upset, you understand, when as siblings, we have very close connection with my siblings. So whenever we were just, you know, way to have more, you know, flavor, we we'll use pigeon. And there was a day, my dad was having listening to our conversation and in his heart of heart, it's like, this is not what I planned for my children or more. That's why my dad came into our room and said, I did not spend all that money in your primary school and you come up with speaking on this nonsense PG. From now henceforth, you must have your conversation in English. English. <laughs> and, um, for example, you know when you want to use PG, like when you are delving into the juicy part of it, there are some things you cannot really Relay in English because of how close you understand. Um, <laughs> see where we are just going to hold. So if we want to put this to go outside and just, and then my mom was like, come, this is ridiculous. You can't ask these children not to even be comfortable talking to each other. But and we got his point. So they really tried their best. And there are, uh, there are countless stories where we were scolded. Beating, yes, the whole spare the road as well. The child was applied. My dad was very, very, I think my dad more and my mom 
too, because there will always be a team. My parents who always cite example. Now, let me give you one thing that I feel it is very key in how I carried myself even while I was staying at Jigule. So, you know, back then, I don't know if it happens still now, teenage pregnancy was a norm. You see a girl, 13. Ah, it was very, very common. Like the next compound, the girls were all getting pregnant. So um, I got my first love letter in SS1. Right. And my younger brother, who was, I don't know why he went to my back. He, he brought out the letter. Who's that? <laughs> and he, he was reading it. And I don't know. My dad now walked into the room and saw him reading it. And because he knew it was something he shouldn't have done, he... He was trying to hide it. And my dad was like, what's that? You're like, nothing. Are you know now? Last, last, my dad looked at the letter and he read it. My sister quickly went outside when she noticed what was happening. She went outside because my mom owned a store, uh, a shop in front of the house, the house. And then she said, homo, your old boss, daddy has seen the love letter. I'm like, Jesus Christ. And that's when the whole thing just hit the ceiling. My dad asked me, my mom asked me, who owns the letter? And I said, oh, no, it belongs to my classmate who who didn't want to take the letter to a house. He, eh? My mom now threatened me and said, if you make me go to your school and ask this question, and it turns out that you are the owner of this letter, I will disgrace you in front of the entire school. And my mom will keep to her word. She is very strict like that. Or more. I thought about it for hours, and then I went to her privately and said, please, mommy, the letter belongs to me. She said, that's all you had to say. I'm going to talk to your dad. And later in the evening, I think she, after she talked to him, he called me and gave me the talk of my life that's my brother. <laughs> hey, God. There's some things that parents can talk to you about. Even flogging will not, will not, will right. not be effective. Do you know my dad asked me this question, this question? He said, the boy that wrote you this letter, can he buy a broom without his father giving him money? I said, no. Do you know that whatever intentions he has for you is to destroy your life? I was just nodding my head. He said, look, if you make good use of your time and every make use of the privileges that we're offering you with the little we have, do you know this boy might be somebody who at the end of the day will not really amount to anything and he will end up being the gate man that will open the door for you if you use your life well. Ah! And he now used my father went, he went vulgar on me. He said, and he used pigeon. He had more effect. He said, you see, look, are you going to, can I say it? Yes, definitely. Oh my God. He said, this prick, when they hungry you, you go see him, you go run. Hmm. When you get mad, you go see the prick, you go run. Ah, almost that thing scared me. Hey, Jesus Christ. Do you know even when I went to university? <laughs> it kept ringing. Eh? That you what I'm telling you, eh? Before I even had my first relationship, it was even the final year of university. Because I kept saying to myself, I'm not going to let anybody destroy my life. Right. It was that effective. And so that for me, that whole love letter thing, don't worry. Not just for me, it, it went through for my siblings. And I tell you, parents, sometimes it's not about the old beating it's about how it's, i think it's the wisdom of god right. to know what to say at that moment because 
I don't know how he said it. He would have said it somehow, and then I would still have been, you I mean, know, curious. Yeah. yeah, angry, and then curious, more even, you know, curiosity would have taken hold of me to find out, okay, what is this whole thing that he's really going off about? But it was something that, you know, Ajegule, I was born in Ajegule, but the Ajegule in me is not, it's not strong enough. No conk. But I'm, it was not conk. Thank you, my brother. It wasn't no conk. But my <laughs> pigeon game is, my pigeon game is very strong. I'm proud of that. Nothing right. changed. <laughs> right. Now you yeah. know you know that I know, or I know that you know. That's the right thing. Maybe. I know that you know <laughs> that I'll still come back to what you mentioned earlier, even though I did not say it immediately. Now tell what me what happened in Satellite Town that it's a real part of your story. Okay, what happened in Satellite Town? How? Because what's a part of my story in Satellite Town? I- is there any major thing that happened in Satellite Town? Yes, you, Maybe you should give me a hint. No, you just said it yourself. Now you said something sad happened, but I'm not going to talk about that because oh, you ask it. No. Okay. I think, oh, Dario, thank you for being super observant. All right. So in Satellite Town, after we moved from, okay, so here is my life story. I lost my sister, my elder sister, because I'm not the first. I lost my elder sister in 2005 in Ajegunle. And that's even one of the key reasons why um, my family moved, you know, we moved to Satellite Town. And I lost my mom. We moved to Satellite Town in 2006. So I lost my mom in 2015. 2011, sorry, 2011. And then also I lost uh, my dad in 2018. So it was, it was very, very hard, you know. It was a moment where you came, you moved into this place, at least complete family. And then we have it now. There was just myself and my siblings, three of us, that's four of us. Uh, but, uh, then again, there was always some good moments, you know, some celebrations, but it was very, very sad. So I guess we tend to do the whole moving away to create new memories. You know, we could not just, we already told ourselves that our time here um, had expired. So Satellite Town <laughs> was a phase for me. That was something. Yeah. And I'm beginning yeah. to think that how, how did that shape you as an individual? Because now it's like, the whole responsibility lay on your shoulder. Um, and how were you able to kind of navigate um, that moment of your life to be able to, you know, when we started this discussion, even though it would not end up in the interview, I asked you, how are you? And you said, I'm really fine. And then you mentioned something that you've discovered that in spite of whatsoever is happening in the moment, you want to make sure the moment counts. and one is happy, one is excited in spite of all. So just take me and let me know um, how you were able to navigate that aspect of your life because, and I, was, I must tell you what I'm thinking about. The reason why I'm asking the question is not just to hear your story, but more importantly, I've discovered that many times we don't talk about these things and you never can tell there's someone in the mess in which you have um, overcome in the past and the person is still wallowing it and you never can tell your story could just be that that opening in the door and the lights in the 
in the darkness of the life of the individual. So if you don't mind, um, let's go through that. Not at all. Um, first things first, I feel, or it's not, I don't feel, I know my relationship with God is that, that has been the saving grace in my life. I'm telling you this. I'm not, you know, ashamed to talk about my faith. Um, I'm, I love God and I have a relationship which I always say I strive for it to be better. When I lost my mom, it was hard. I wasn't really close to my mom growing up. But my dad, now that was very, it was earth shattering for me. Well, here's the thing. Like, I don't know. The Bible says that he gave it peace which the world cannot understand. And when it happened, painful as it was, there was this thing holding us down, not just me, but my siblings. It was, I, I really can't explain it. And with it, you see, and the Bible also said the joy of the Lord is our strength. <laughs> my brother those two things in the Bible are very, very true. Peace and joy, even the, in the, in the midst of that storm that was going on. Now, when God gave, gave us the joy and the peace, I'm thankful for a very close bond with my siblings. A family divided against itself cannot stand. Uh, when it happened, my dad was with my brother. Well, my brother was with my dad when it happened and they're running around because as tradition has, how will have it, you know, the man, a man has to stand. So despite the fact that I'm the surrogate, I just call myself surrogate first. He was the one running around because he's the first uh, male of my, of the family. And all through that period, we were one agreement. We were consoling each other. We were making things happen for ourselves that will keep us in that space of, you know, sanity. If we decide, okay, you know what, let's just go out and sit somewhere. Let's go to the beach. Let's go this. Let's hang out. We were doing it because we wanted to heal. When anybody was crying, we would cry. We would let ourselves cry during that period. We were not doing strong girl, strong boy. But we, we, we had this feeling that, you know what, our dad was in a way better place. And then we started making plans for the future, what we wanted to do. At that moment, I decided that, you know, with the responsibility, although I feel the whole responsibility thing started when I even lost my elder sister. And it is very funny in life that some things that you, you just feel relaxed, like, oh, there's somebody ahead who is taking care of all those things. You just feel relaxed. But it all changed first with my sister, then with my mom. And because my mom passed in, I had to take over the whole responsibility of running, you know, making sure everything is okay because my siblings were in school. I was taking care of my dad, you know, making sure that he's, he was, he's comfortable. He was comfortable. And then with him passing, we now had to make decisions for ourselves, you know. So in any way everybody can help financially, we try to make set goals for ourselves. And because my dad was always hinting on something that, look, if you want to get things done in Nigeria with the economy, you have to always do something extra. And I'm grateful that my siblings, uh, I have uh, two brothers and a sister. They all have plans and goals for what they want to do. So it's not really difficult, you know, when you want to, or what do you, everybody knows what they want. So I kind of refer to them as my flatmates, but well, well, cause we all live together now. 
um our the last the last boy that's the last one of the family he makes it very easy he's he's very cool supportive you know sometimes you know with the age because he's 21 now sometimes with the age he feels like oh everybody's tech but he's he's really cool-headed he's a he's a dancer and right from i think from secondary school he has made up his mind on what he wants he said he doesn't want to work for anybody he's an aspiring um, graphics designer he has a lot of things but he's really concentrated on the arts my sister is a fashion designer my brother has his business and I'm totally into communication. So with this, having God, having family that truly supports you, and then everybody having their goals, it makes it very easy to navigate. Yeah, there are moments where things don't really go as we want it to go. But then again, you now let yourself have that once in a blue moon, blue day. But come out of it because, you know, last, last, we will be all right. Yeah. And that's because you have, yeah, when you have the support of some amazing person, say, believe me, it's not that bad. In the Lagos yeah. term, last, last, go, go, breakfast. Ah, you, are, <laughs> you, are, you, are, you are people giving us your massive title. You people know what to do, Dio. <laughs> right. Now, I'm nah. afraid like this discussion will take so long, but um, before I go into the next thing, I just want to kind of understand how old you were when your your sister passed and um, what actually happened to her pardon the fact that i'm prying i would have um, actually moved out of this question altogether and moved to other things but i just feel like there's that disconnect that needs to be connected especially for the listeners that will be listening okay um i was i was in my 20s uh, if i remember it was 21 when she passed uh she's three years older than me so she passed at the age of 23. Uh, it was a failed appendicitis operation. Very funny. And um, the operation took place at a hospital. There were complications. And then she was transferred to Luth Hospital. And while she was there, they said, oh, she's going to need blood transfusion. And... Um, proceeded to get her blood sample to know her blood type or the group i don't know what happened but my sister already did that and her group is it group yeah group is o negative and whoever did the test i don't know they now give her o positive crazy and she died as a result of that so my brother, that is one thing that I even see tomorrow. I say, Lord God Almighty, I never want to go under the knife. I never want to go under the knife. So, yeah, so that's the story of my sister. Her name, uh, her name was Ora Wome, which means faith, my faith. And, um, losing her was, was the first reality with the cir- uh, circle of life, you know. Death is inevitable. Well, you never understand what death is all about until it happens. You see people, oh, so sorry for your loss. But uh-huh. that was the first time we hit home. And I remember I was in school and the our friend, they, went, they didn't tell me. So they called uh, one of our friends. We were all staying together. They told him on Saturday because it happened on Saturday. He didn't tell me. He made me go to church. He made sure I had breakfast, I remember. And then he called all friends that we have. And they sat down and he was, he kept on saying, Elo, you know, you're a very strong girl. 
you know you're a very strong girl. I'm like, what is this strong girl? So that was when he broke the news. And one of the, I, now here's one funny thing. The person that they called to comfort me, she was the one that passed out. I'm like, oh, we're not the one trying to comfort her. Like, I don't know why that particular thing was so funny. They're supposed to help her, not the other way around. But, well, it's been how many years now? 16 years. September will make it 16. And life goes on. She's in a better place, like we all say. But truly, she is in a better place. Right. I must say very, like, I'm just knowing this about (laughs) you. And to be frank, my respect for you went several heights heights of um, (laughs) this this afternoon. Thanks Ah. for sharing that. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Now, talk to me. Sure. Growing up, what was the dream like? And um, what did you finally study in the university? <laughs> <That you. laughs> this thing? Oh, Lord. But you know, growing up, I'm a, I'm a child of the 80s. Mm? So growing up, you, you know your parents already, they're already whispering what they want. Right. Lawyer, accountant, <laughs> doctor, uh-huh, all those things. And you, you'll be gearing towards commercial class or arts class or science. I, I grew up and I wanted to study law because, you know, my uncle, my favorite uncle in the world is a lawyer. He was studying law at that time and I wanted to be a lawyer because I know I can talk, 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 talk. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, this is what we merge with the talking now. We make money out of the talking. So, uh, so after secondary school, say you write jam. Hmm, jam, come on, jam you. And he jam, 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 jam me. I'm like, okay, we cannot do this. Let's do something else in arts. And I wanted to study history and international relations, but it didn't work out. And I had to change because of the cut of mark. I had to change because I was like, you know, you know, we like to put pressure on ourselves now. And what I don't go, we never enter school. We'll do, we'll do. So I now changed course and I went to uh, educational administration, which is a far cry from what I wanted. But Along the line, even after I, I was done with the course, I realized that I'm a natural born teacher. You know, I can, yeah, is that is a communicator in me. I know how to pass a message. So I studied in educational administration and uh, I, did I teach after school? No. After university? No. I only did teaching, teaching practice in 300 and 400 level. But I remember I had the convers I had this conversation with myself, and because um, the conversation I had with myself was while I was serving, and I served in Baratin local government area of Kwara State. I have to state that because oh my God, nobody wanted to go to Baratin, <laughs> but the will of God for me was to be there because then again, God will always order the steps of those who love Him. Right. So while I was while I was there, I don't know why. But there was this morning, I sat down outside the old post master's lodge, which was where they gave to the females at Okuta in Baratun local government. And I sat outside and I said to myself that what I want to do with my life is that I want people to hear my voice and I want to bring cheer to people. and I want to make people smile. Let my voice be the first thing they hear in the morning when they turn on the radio. How did that come about? I don't know, but because I was already thinking of my future, what I want to teach when I go back to Lagos, I wasn't keen on that. So from then on, you know, I spoke those things and then I started working towards it. When I was done with youth service, I 
casually had a conversation with a friend of mine and she was like, oh, you can actually go see um, George Omagwemi, late George Omagwemi of Cool FM. He was a quality uh, supervisor and also a broadcaster. So I went to him, we had a discussion and then he advised me to go for training at FRCN, which I did did my training, went back. And unfortunately, at that period, there was an embargo on employment at Cool FM, so I couldn't get in. But that didn't deter me. I still applied for other jobs outside radio because then again, a girl has to work. And, you know, I got my first job post-NYC working as a, a customer care uh, rep, character company in Surulay then, which was a very beautiful experience for me. And then on, I was still going for auditions. And my boss then, Mr. Kelvin Napodia, he, he's a very unique leader in an, in like work environment because he was asking me, what do you really want to do? And I, I told him, I was like, okay, you can go for auditions. Whenever you want to go for auditions, just let me know. You can take time off work. As I was going for auditions and interviews and he would always have my back. So when I got the call, my first uh, job interview was via phone call. Or rather, a friend of mine who we all studied together at FRC and uh, Sami Ajufor, now he's the, uh, he owns his own creative space in Enugu. And he asked me, would you, are you interested in working? Like, would you like to work in Enugu? I'm like, oh, Enugu, I've never been outside Lagos to work except Choir State. I'm like, he said, it, it might actually be good you know, opportunity for you since Lagos is kind of jammed with a whole lot of fune fune people and you maybe are not giving them enough fun. Ah, man, I just said, okay, guy, more reason now. So I, I took the opportunity. I went to Enugu and it was my first uh, radio experience. I learned a lot of things on the job, okay? I learned about people. I learned about the job itself and I learned that... Uh, when you're working with people, it's different. You don't, it's not all rainbow and sunshine. There are those who have, you know, different personalities. You just have to learn how to deal with it. But most importantly, I learned how to work even in, in, in intense pressure. Yeah, I learned that because it was when I was done with Inigo, I came out and I, I came across some other radio presenters in Lagos and they were complaining about certain things. I'm like, what are you guys even talking about? <laughs> I have been through hell and back. So whatever you're, you're saying is really not that deep. But that's how the whole journey towards a radio started. And how many years now? Because because uh, I was like, wow, 2011. Because I'm always getting my dates mixed up. 2011, 2012. I believe 2011. That will make it two. This year will make it make it um, 10 years doing radio yes, 10 years. I'm not I'm telling you I've not done anything else wow. although if I'm to throw in the mix <laughs> this baby girl here <laughs> yes my brother I say no I don't say no to opportunities I don't say no one time someone reached out to me and said hey Lushay, you can speak pigeon now I'm like yes hello it's me <laughs> I did speak pigeon well well so you know so okay so there's this uh, research um, organization in New York, they're going to interview you to see if you can be a translator. Dayo, do you know people make money as a translate, pigeon translator? Wow. Did you know? Ah, my guy, that's how they interviewed me from the United States. Mm-hmm. I've never been a translator before. But 
one thing I've learned that when you want to work with people, you have to let yourself be vulnerable and be honest about certain things. Don't form buga buga say, hey, I know it. Yeah. You go if you fall. So when they asked me, I said no, but I know that these are the key things about being a translator. You don't refer, it's not the third person thing. You must relate word for word because I actually had to read a little bit about what job of a translator. And I, yeah, I think they were impressed because they hired me for a one week job as a translator because they had a project. That was my first time getting paid daily. I think I was paid 10,000 naira daily to be a translator for a job that did not even last up to three, four hours. I was wowed. And then on, they recommended me to another research company from Kenya. And then I became their translator for three days. Now, here's the thing. Um, that's, there's a term called empath, if I'm correct. Like, I don't know if it's for those who tend to, like, you know, be in the space with other people, feel what they're feeling and all that. I don't know if that's a term, but I just created it must be a term. I saw it somewhere. So after the three days working with, um, okay, with the research company from Kenya, their name is um, Busara. Yes, Busara. Busara. And then after then, after the three days, sorry, I can't kind of get there. I'm trying to remember something. After three days of working with them, they called me aside and said, you know what, Vivian, we are really impressed with the way you work. And we would like to offer you the position of being our project lead. For the next two weeks. Wow. I'm like, what? I'm like, um, so we were, it was myself and somebody else, Jennifer. I remember and I was like, Jennifer is more experienced, not just as a translator, but as a kind of research analyst. She actually understands research bet, uh, better than I do. And I was like, okay, what about Jennifer? And you know that one of the, the person talking to me was a white lady. And Sarah, she said, uh, we will get the own way we'll take, tell you something, you know, really look bad. You're like, uh, at the moment, it's like she doesn't really understand what we want to do. We feel like our ideas are clashing. We will go use English. They tell you, right. say, we don't want to do that thing. Um, that was how I went from translator to become a project lead with Busara. And we did one week in Lagos, one week in Quara. And it was the experience opened my mind to other things that I want to do with organizations that have structure. Because my brother, this issue of structure, I've been preaching it. If an organization has structure, no matter what is done, you can actually carry out your responsibilities seamlessly. Right. And for that, yeah, we, we work together. And over the years, they've been contacting me for other jobs, you know, becoming a translator. And most importantly, it has always been project lead. I'm still doing project lead once in a while, whenever they have a project to carry out. So my guy, my journey, oh, Lord. If you call me now for another thing, I'll say yes. <laughs> I'll tell you. Yeah. I'll, 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 and that's the thing. Because I feel like, Really, we can do a whole lot of things, but never say no to opportunities because you will even surprise yourself. Guy, there were moments I even said to myself, like, ah, it will nice to do this thing. Because at the time, one of the associates came from another research company from the US and she was like, Vivian, great job. I'm like, great job. I, I, wow. I'm, I'm, guys, seriously, never say no to opportunities because there's something in you that will, that will respond to that situation and you will just find yourself doing it like wow so that's the story of my life so far 
<laughs> talk to yeah. me. You know, I would ask this question. Like, talk to me about how you now um, got the job at Launch Hour Show. Oh, okay. So with Launch Hour Show, that was very easy. While I was in Enugu, um, the owner, Mr. Adam, his his younger brother was the one recruiting for other, you know, radio stations outside Lagos. So when he came to Solid FM Enugu, I was the host of the afternoon belt. So naturally, because it's the lunch hour show, it, it will fall on the, you know, the afternoon belt. And then he trained me on the, the games and everything. And I was handling it in Enugu. So when I relocated uh, to Lagos, uh, I, I, it wasn't, I didn't even plan to even be part of Rockhouse Media. Someone asked me, can you host this show at uh, Wazobia FM? And then I reached out to Mr. Adam, like, oh, somebody might want to host this. And he's like, uh, so he wasn't really sure that there will be a pigeon version and all that. And then he said, okay, Vivian, what are you doing? Come over to your office and let's see. And we met for the very first time, myself and Mr. Adam, we met in 2015 for the very first time since I've been hosting the show in Enugu for like four years prior to when we met. And they were like, what are you doing? And I explained to him, he's like, okay, if I had any opportunity, I'm going to give it to you because he already had persons presenting the show then at City. And then one day he calls me up and says, Vivian, what are you doing? Can you come over tomorrow? I need you to to host co-host the show with uh, Nelson. Guys, it happened in uh, June. Because I forgot my friend's birthday, June 13 or 12 in 2015. And that's how I started. My very first day on uh, City FM was on a Friday. <laughs> it was on a Friday. I co-hosted for the first time in Lagos, and like a major radio station in Lagos, and on a Friday, June of 2015. And that's how the whole Rockhouse Media journey started. So from then on, not just being the presenter, I was promoted to the head of media. So I'm in charge of um, other presenters who host the launch hour show in Nigeria, for those in Calabar, for those in Ibadan and everything. So that has been my Rockhouse Media journey. Started from Enugu, started from Enugu, and now we're here. Yeah, right. so that's... It's a, <laughs> that, that show was a part of my growing up and I I owe some of the things I do now to to the show. Yeah, I must also mention like I thought I would say this at the end of the of the interview, but you also had been um someone who I would never forget, especially when it comes to uh, my poetry side, because you were the first person to give me an opportunity to do spoken word poetry, and that piece oh I gave at your church was the first long english spoken word piece i would be writing ever and so, wow really yes that was the first wow. time i would be performing and that was the first english piece i'll be writing i really appreciate wow. you for the opportunity it means it meant a lot to me a whole lot to me thank you very much i'm truly 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 honored and when you did what you did till date people still talk about it I kid you not. Do you know someone make mention? I'm like, where is that guy that did that thing? That that spoken word. It was so so cool. I'm like, yeah, he's actually doing something. Else. He's he's a teacher. That was, I'm like, that is a natural born teacher. So mm-hmm. he's not doing teaching work. So I am truly honored that um, it happened at you know at a crazy um, concert. Honor that you accepted the invitation because I was even scared that I might not be able to show up. But then again, thank God it all ended beautifully. Thank you. Also, thank you.
Right. So we've been talking yeah. for like 40, 50 minutes. So we need to round it up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so talk to me about why you started Giddy Story. And um, I know that you mentioned on one episode that you've been trying to start this for like two years. And thank God oh. it's up. So tell me about why you started it. So Giddy Story started uh, the idea. I did came about uh, when I was attending FRC and training school. So from satellite down to Oshodi in the US, sometimes I used to board all those big buses at Agboju to Oshodi direct. Every time I'm on the bus, there's somebody doing something. There's something happening on that trip to Oshodi. Sales, people, and Whenever, when I come home, I always narrate these things to my siblings and they always laugh. They're like, hey, God, what is it again? What happened? And then I can mimic those who sell things, you know, the drug peddlers, which I, I did uh, the last episode of Giddy Stories, the hustle, hustle, hustle episode. And these guys can sell anything. Share owner, they see this thing here. My brother, my sister, that, that thing. <laughs> like, Lagos is filled with stories every day. And how how best to go about it than to do it. So years ago, I've been talking about, I I used to procrastinate. That is the one thing that that I need to fight. I need to fight with the sword. It is bad. So I just braced myself and said, you know what? You've had the Anchor app on your phone. And you just did it for, I I did it in 2018. And then I lost my dad like some months later and I'm like, you know what? I'm done. I'm not doing this again. I'm not even in the right frame of mind to do anything. But in February this year, I tried to come back and push myself to always drop one kind of story and also, you know, include others, you know, the opinion of other people on this because it's not just my story. There are others who have their own perspective. So I've been trying to do that. And thankfully, I've been getting some really, you know, cool feedback. Some persons have told me... and I, I love feedback. Someone said, Hello, I, Lagos is bad, but try to also show the good side of Lagos because you don't want to frighten foreign listeners. And Lagos is that bad. And I'm like, okay, yes, that is something to, yeah, to consider. And so that's why I try to, you know, try to find a balance. But sometimes I feel like the things that happen are so annoying. I, so then again, well, I'm just grateful so far. Uh, Giddy stories. Uh, we're still pushing, and it will it will always get better because that's the only way. progression. Yeah. Progression all the way. And yeah. the crazy thing about Lagos is that sometimes when you leave Lagos, you miss Lagos in a very. Weird I don't know way. why. <laughs> I don't. Only you will complain. Only you will complain when you leave. Like yeah. uh-uh, this Lagos is so tiring. I, I lived in Enugu, but then again, Enugu. Uh, well, let me let me just hype Enugu. Enugu buying 042. 042 is like the Lagos of the Southeast. It's a cool place to raise a family. I'm telling you, if you never, if you listen to this, you've never been to Enugu. Enugu is beautiful. Oh my God. And, um, it, it, it struck me like, ah, uh-uh, so you can actually wake up at seven and get to work by 7.30. Like, <laughs> they don't have traffic. When they complain about traffic, I'm like, where is it? I'm yeah. looking for it. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. But then you get my one, my, my friend Claire. She that one, she she ran away from Lagos. She's not in Abuja. She said she's done. Ah, no, she's wow. done. I think she's even she's even adding. I think she that gets even adding weight. Just how many <laughs> how many weeks in Abuja? Because Lagos can just yeah, uh, sap. 
Yeah. And Lagos, they kind of test the Jesus in you, right? So you wake <laughs> up in the morning to yourself, today, I'll go out and I'll walk in love. Um, hey, so <laughs> people will just call me their evil spirit and try the Jesus in you. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm telling you. So that's why the stories come out from all of that. Yeah. Yeah. A great concept. Story. And it's been a, a old interesting moment for me interviewing and not interviewing, speaking with you and <laughs> hearing your story. I really, really appreciate you for doing this with me. Now, I hope you enjoyed Viva's story as much as I do. Until I come your way with another beautiful episode, this Saturday, I will be releasing the first episode of the Leicester Africa series. I'm going to be taking you on a virtual journey to Cameroon in Central Africa. It's going to be the best. You don't want to miss this for anything. Until then, be productive.